0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Roderick Z, You're a host for The Far Side of Midnight, and I know it's been a while since I've posted anything, so I'm very happy to be posting right now. I had to take a little bit of time off. I've had some personal stuff going on and being very busy, but everything is well, and I am just so thankful to be here and work on this podcast because this is a labor of love, something I just really, really enjoy doing. So tonight's theme will be urban legends. So I'm going to be reading two stories for you. Both stories have been written by me. I did not make up the legends, but I just wanted to kind of put my my own spin on, leg, on the legends themselves. So the first one is the man from Tuarid, like a mysterious time traveler or interdimensional traveler or something like that. You may have heard of it. And the second story is surrounding the urban legend about the Mothman. And I love the Mothman stories. They are just creepy and very fascinating to me. You know, it's like, is the Mothman an alien? Does he come from Earth or where is he from? So I wrote a whole story about that. And I put, I tried to make it kind of meaningful so I would like you to tell me, those of you that know me, or you can email me, and let me know what you th- what you thought about the Mothman story. And the reason I'm saying that is because I want you to get the meaning of the story itself. There's a meaning behind it. There's something symbolic behind it, and I want the listeners to try and get that. So anyway, if you can contact me, Z at ProtonMail.com, or just... Hit me up on Instagram or Facebook and let me know. Anyway, oh, and my birthday is tomorrow. Wow, it's after midnight and my birthday is in less than 24 hours. This is kind of cool. Happy birthday to me. Anyway, hope you enjoy. The Man from Tuarid. This story takes place in 1952 on July 16th in Tokyo, Japan. It was a typical summer day for that time. Slightly humid and busy, but not unusually busy. The crowd certainly gave the look of an uphill improvement in the country's economy in post-war Japan. Some of the travelers standing in the queue fanned themselves as they eagerly awaited the assistance of the customs agents. One such man patiently waited in the queue. He wore a gray suit held a fine leather briefcase in one hand and a small leather folder in his other, which probably kept his passport and other important documentation ready to display for the customs agents. The man looked rather average for this time. He stood a bit taller than the nearest travelers in the queue. He had slicked back brown hair with graying temples and a light beard. He had a Caucasian appearance, and mere average features finally it was his turn a customs agent fanned him forward konbunwa said the traveler a usual japanese greeting during midday as he handed over his passport to the agent the agent picked picked it up checked the passport photo and gave a double glance to the traveler and he picked up the stamp and just as he was about to stamp he spotted something very strange He put down the stamp and began speaking a broken English. Wait, sir, do you have another? What is it, said the traveler. The agent checked the passport again. All the stamps seemed to check out, nothing unusual. There were stamps from the United States, in New York City, and also in Rome, London, and Ireland. It appeared that this man... "'traveled a great many places for business.' "'What's the matter?' asked the traveler, "'this time becoming a bit impatient. "'I don't know this country, sir,' replied the agent. "'I know USA and Italy, but not this one here,' "'as he pointed to the name of the traveler's country. "'Twarid. "'What do you mean? "'I've been coming here for the past three years, "'twice every year.' I assist in your country's infrastructure. My company invests in your railroads and shipping vessels. This is absurd. Please wait, sir. I'm sorry. I I just don't know. Let me get some help. The agent signaled for another agent's assistance. The other people in line were beginning to become quite curious and concerned. Suddenly, another agent arrived, a very small, middle-aged man with thick glasses He took the 12 passport, held it up, and flipped through the pages. He looked at the traveler's driver's license. The agent returned the license over to the traveler, saying thank you. Excuse me, he pulled the agent aside and softly spoke. We need to have him wait in the waiting room. I will go get the police to have him wait. The traveler stood by, nervously, yet impatient. He could hear them speaking, although he had learned a great deal of Japanese in a relatively short time. The volume of their voices gave him trouble in comprehending. The other agent walked away. Another queue uh, suddenly opened up to assist a growing number of travelers. One police officer arrived with the middle-aged agent. The officer smiled politely. Sir, can you come with us? We just have to ask you a few questions. "'Of course,' said the Traveler. Several onlookers spoke amongst themselves, for they wondered of the Traveler. Who was he? Could he have been a Soviet spy in questioning? The Traveler was held in a small room upstairs with a glass window where he was able to see the queue he had been waiting in. The police and staff had been looking through the passport and other contents in the Traveler's briefcase, They made several phone calls only to discover the company the man worked for indeed had an office in tokyo and the and new york with a smaller office in dublin however they have never heard of such a place called tward at this point the man was becoming impatient the agent and police began questioning the man one officer stated we had contacted a similar offices and they confirm they said that their staff have been here from time to time over the years but they don't know how to say tuarate is that your country the man became upset yes tuarate how could you not know sir calm down and show us your country the agent unfolded a large world map on the wooden table in front of them the traveler His eyes darted all over the map. He pointed between Spain and France. The agent looked up with deep concern. This is Andorra. No, no, the traveler shouted. It's Tuarid, my land. How could you not know? We have a proud history over a thousand years. We have a famous king, a language, a strong presence in Europa. The agent knelt down next to the man with widened eyes. Sir, I'm afraid there is no Tuarid here. We never heard of it. This is Andorra. Do you know Andorra? The traveler raises head with with a very exasperated tone. Tuarid, it's Tuarid, a proud nation. Once a proud kingdom, an old kingdom. The agent returned the traveler's briefcase and held the passport and driver's license. Sir, we would like you to stay in the hotel across the street while we look into this further. We will call you tomorrow. We deeply apologize. They transported the traveler to the hotel to a single room on the fourth floor. The traveler sat down on a low gray sofa, noticing the Western accommodations that he was used to in Japan, but unfamiliar with the room. He sat down on a sofa and pondered his life back home. It was past dinner, and he had not eaten yet. He laid on the bed and slept. The next morning, a supervisor and three police were headed to the hotel to further detain a traveler. Their consistent consensus was the man might have been a Soviet spy using Andorran, and Tuarid. It may be a a possible code word that they have not yet to understand. When they approached the door, they knocked, but there was no answer. The supervisor opened the door, and to their surprise, the room was vacant, and there was no sign of the man from Tuarid within the room. The bed was perfectly made and appeared unused. There were no visible signs of anyone having stayed in the room. The police questioned the officers from yesterday. They stood frozen and confused. What happened? Where could this man have gone? Who was this man? A spy? A businessman? A traveler? Or perhaps a traveler from another time and place? The end. Mason County, 1966. Grace had once been the shy girl from the Knight family. She was the middle child of four siblings, three sisters and one brother. What made Grace more odd was she claimed to have foresight. She thought herself to be kind of a psychic. She would often speak about minor events before they happened. Her family was strict seven-day Adventists and did not believe in such things. Grace was 20 years of age and about to turn 21 in two weeks, and she already had one expected event to happen to her the night of her 21st birthday. She had a vision about it when she was 16. Grace's younger brother Bobby was very frightened of her visions. When Grace was 13, she had a premonition about their father's shed collapsing during a windstorm from a huge tree branch crashing on top of it. No one was hurt. Their dad was safe working in the basement that night. Another vision that startled Bobby was she had a vision about a car accident involving their family on a vacation in Florida. A trailer struck their van very hard one summer. Again, no one was hurt and only minor damage to their family's van. However, Bobby developed superstitions surrounding his sister's clairvoyancy. Grace would often describe her premonitions as dreams or mere luck. On the eve of her 21st birthday, she had been attending West Virginia University, majoring in education. On her winter break, She went to stay with her elder sister, Gloria. She was very excited to see her and spend time with the rest of her family. But not only was she looking forward to seeing her family, she was very eager to see Walt Williams. He was the son of a small restaurant owner, Mickey Williams, from Mickey's Diner. Bobby always had eyes for Grace, and ever since she went out to the university, Walt became a welder. He loved working with metal. There has always been a spark between... Walt and Grace, and ever since the last winter break, they spent much of their time walking the streets of their old neighborhood, reminiscing their high school days. December 11th, 1966. One day before Grace's 21st birthday, Walt knocked on the door softly. After all, it was Gloria's home and after 9 PM, and he didn't want to disturb anyone else in the house. Grace peeked through the curtain, seeing Walt standing stiff in the cold. She opened the door, projecting herself into his arms. After a long embrace, she entered his rusted work truck, and they drove off. They drove over to the Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant. They paced gently across the frozen metal surface, holding hands. Your birthday is tomorrow. What would you like to do? asked Walt as steam flowed from his mouth in that chilled night air. I don't have any plans. Gloria was going to bake me a chocolate cake, but I reminded my family I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. The two were silent for a moment when Grace suddenly halted. She gasped her breath and clenched her coat. Two glowing large red eyes shone through the distant fog at the opposite end of the bridge. What? What is it? Are you okay? Asked Walt. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Can we leave now? Grace asked. The two returned to Walt's truck. Are you hungry? I know it's late, but my dad's diner is still open. Sure, Grace replied. They arrived at Mickey's diner. A few late-night regulars were eating, and Officer Logan stood near the door when Walt and Grace entered. A short, stout, middle-aged man with glasses walks in, and Officer Logan asked the man, Sir, are you Mr. Smith? The stout middle-aged man replied, No, I'm not. Thank you for your service. And the man headed to the bar and ordered a chili cheese fries and a large, greasy burger and a Diet Coke. Walt's father, Mickey, was already gone for the evening, and a male college student had taken his place working the late shift. Walt and Grace shared a strawberry milkshake and a large order of chili cheese fries. Grace felt safe again, but tried to forget about what she saw. So if you don't mind me asking, what exactly did you see? Asked Walt as he slurped the milkshake and took her hand gently. It's hard to explain. I think you may understand it someday. Walt finished the last of their milkshake in confusion. The two mostly sat in silence. Walt was very anxious, but curious but he didn't want to pressure Grace with any more questions. He paid the tab and the two of them departed. Walt took Grace back to his home, a small guest house in the backyard of a friend's uncle. He opened the door and took Grace's coat. She sat on the edge of the bed, crammed next to a large area of cluttered work stuff and a stack of boxes. The efficiency was quite comfortable. Somewhat small, enough to accommodate a sofa and a diner table Walt hung his coat in a rack and turned on his camping stove to boil some water for tea then he sat next to a still startled grace the two of them sat in complete silence before he leaned into she leaned into him allowing his embrace she held him tight and drifted into a gentle sleep as the tea kettle steamed with the rising wine Grace was fast asleep. Walt covered her up and switched off the camping stove. Walt lied next to Grace very close, and the two of them shared very deep, comfortable sleep. At 3.33 a.m., Grace opened her wide eyes and sat up in the bed in a deep exhale. She rose from the bed, almost floating. She slipped on her coat, and entered the backyard. Light rain fell from the dark sky. The wind blew heavy. Grace rigidly walked to the darkest corner of the yard. Her eyes gazed up the high telephone pole, gently waving side to side because of the wind. And she sighted an ink shadowed trees. A reddish ember glowed, peered out of the rapid clouds and a large wing shadow descended the top of the telephone pole. The pole shook as a large red-eyed creature. The eyes shone like beams through the fog. The beaming red eyes widened, and wisping black wings fell aside its long body. Grace's body froze as her unblinking eyes locked into the specter. The specter's body shrunk as if melting itself into the pool of blackness. A sharp chill licked her neck as two glowing orbs shone before her. A tall, slender figure of black fur blowing transparent wings framing its slow, uneven dance. A low voice somewhere between an elder man and a beast began to speak. Do not fear me. Grace's eyes fixed coldly upon the cold-burning eyes of the beast Her cold, dry mouth parted her first words to him. I always knew, I always knew I would see you again. She paused as the shrieking winter winds rested. For five years, I buried the visions, ignored the dreams. I went where I wanted. I studied. I led my life for it to be good, the way I wanted it to be. I walked my own road for myself, and now you've come again. She paused again, and her body grew cold as her breathing shallowed. The mothman's wiry hairs danced like spider legs in a deep blackness, framing his large ember eyes. The beast spoke. Whose road do you walk? Whom do you live for? But my dreams, replied Grace, and in lower tone. Who is the dreamer of your dreams, said the beast. Go wherever you like, but know you will always return to this. Suddenly the wind silenced, and the creature shot up into the dark sky in a black flash and was no more. Grace shut her eyes, and immediately she felt as if all the cells in her body were simultaneously shocked at once for less than a second. And she took a deep breath and returned inside Walt's home and curled up next to him and drifted off to a peaceful sleep. Walt remained peacefully slumbering throughout the whole sighting with the Mothman. It is said that Grace finished school. She became a third grade school teacher. She married Walt and the two of them had a son. And they remained in mason county since then grace stopped having visions however it was said that their three-year-old son walter jr had a very strong imagination he will sometimes tell his family about his imaginary friend indra cold Anyway, that's it. It's like a slightly shorter episode today, but I will be uploading next week some creepy stories. Since a lot of people tend to like my creepy stories, I will be doing those (laughs) next week. So thanks for listening. And if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee once a month, you can support my Patreon at Rod Scribbles. So R O D S C R I B B L E S. -S 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 Rod Scribbles. I'm an artist and I like coffee. Thank you. And I'll see you guys next time and stay blessed and be well.